Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're like me, my health and fitness are two things I am extremely passionate about. And my favorite source for accurate fitness and health information is the Mind Pump podcast. The hosts are funny, entertaining, and they're always there with the most up-to-date and applicable fitness and health information. If you're looking to lose fat, build muscle, or improve your health, search Mind Pump on your favorite podcast app and give them a listen. That's Mind Pump, wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to Athletes Unfiltered. The podcast made by the athlete for the fans. Now here are your hosts, Adrian Martinez and Jeff Ekstrom. Well, hello, hello again, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of Athletes Unfiltered. As always, I am your host, Jeff Ekstrom, and alongside with me on the sixth episode of the season two, it is Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez. Adrian, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, really excited about this episode, and uh, you know we have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, we most certainly do, and uh, that's because over this past weekend, the NFL draft commenced. One of the big blockbuster showcases of uh, football as the college football and NFL world combined for the NFL draft, and it had plenty of surprises. Uh, Trayvon Walker went number one overall. I think Derek Stingley went number three. That was a little bit of a shock, but he still, I think, uh, qualified for that three spot. Um but, I mean, plenty of uh, stuff had happened, including dra- uh, some Huskers being drafted, Adrian. Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, this past draft set some records. You know, I, I, I can't remember the exact amount, but defensive guys coming off the board first for – it was like six consecutive picks. I think that's the most since the 70s or something. It's a pretty, pretty back there type record, and – Again, another one was nine trades in that first round, which was nuts. I mean, the NFL draft is more and more of an event. You know, you, you yeah. see there was 100,000 people there in Vegas, um, the the glitz and glamour of it all. So uh, it was really cool just to, to watch it, you know, and I think it, it's cool to see the game of football grow. And like you said, college football and NFL coming together, I mean uh, – it's pretty special. And yeah, you know, a couple of my buddies, a couple of my teammates getting drafted and I was so pumped for them. And I know a, a bunch of uh, my former teammates were as well. I mean, Cam Jurgens going to the Eagles. Uh, you couldn't think of a better fit for him. Cam Taylor, Bengals, um, even Wandale Robinson, you know, former Husker um, draft. I think it was 43rd overall, something like that to the Giants. Uh, and then Samari. Uh, seventh rounder and, and plenty of guys who signed, uh, you know, 
mini camp deal. So really excited for all those guys and uh, pretty cool to see guys I came up with and, you know, that are my age making it. So, yeah. And I mean, Cam Jurgens 51st over 51st overall to the Eagles nine picks later came Taylor Britt to the Bengals. Then Samari Torre was actually, I believe it was, he was two fifty eight, which was about, five, six picks before the final pick. Um, mm-hmm. And he now gets to catch some footballs from Aaron Rodgers, hopefully. So I'd say that's a pretty sweet deal. He'll have to deal with the weather, but that's pretty cool. Uh, playing yeah, some Aaron I, mean, Rodgers. I think he'll take the hit. When you can play with a quarterback yeah. like Aaron Rodgers, I think it's worth it, you know, going to Green Bay. Um, really excited to hear what the, the next step's going to look like for those guys, you know, and, and what those journeys look like and, uh, you know, wishing them all the best. I, I know – some of those undrafted guys are going to surprise people and make rosters just like, you know, previous guys did on, on teams I've played on. So pump for all those dudes. And I mean, just a hit back on cam. Could you think of a better landing spot for him? I mean, guy gets to play behind Kelsey, a hall of fame level center for one year, learn from him and then kind of take the reins from there in a solid organization, great city. Um, you know, I think uh, I think it really couldn't have worked out better for him. Yeah, and I mean, that just he just fits in Philadelphia, like that fan base, that atmosphere. Yeah, it just I seems like a perfect match. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know what? The guy, uh, our guest, you know, Jack Stoll, he's a Philadelphia Eagle himself. So, um, you know, I think they'll probably get a room together and uh, oh, get to vibe. So uh, excited about that. <laughs> well certainly yeah uh yes cam will be going to philadelphia hopefully we can catch up uh with him here sometime uh down the road and rejoin us here in athletes unfiltered but let's talk about those undrafted free agents uh five of them in fact for nebraska this past draft jojo doman signs with the colts austin allen to the new york giants uh damian daniels to the houston texans deontay williams to the seattle seahawks and then Ben Stilley to the Miami Dolphins. And mm. I don't know about you, Adrian, but I was shocked that JoJo or Austin did not get drafted. Especially JoJo, who is the top player on the board for a few hours before the draft even ended. Yeah, and and that's tough. You know, I, I would say that probably has to do with his age, you know, um, and maybe some injury history in the past. But one thing I know about JoJo is he's – He's going to prove some guys wrong, and he's going to make that team. I know he will. He's a hell of a player, um, and he'll find a way to fit in. You know, I I think he knows that. He's been around the game um, for a while, also the pro level with his his parents being agents, things like that. Uh, I think he knows how it works. So it it won't work against him. It'll only add fuel to the fire for him. You know, Uh, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Just like I was saying earlier, you know, we've had Stanley Morgan, Jack Stoll. There's been – a couple Huskers that have been, they've gone undrafted under the radar. And I think that's, you know, you can attribute that to not winning enough. You know, you get the benefit of the doubt when you're at a, a program that's winning. Um, and uh, I think they'll prove themselves worthy just, and I Austin Allen as well. I mean, hell of a frame can make all the plays you want him to make. Um, and I know he'll do that. You know, I was surprised that he didn't go as well, but, part of it too you know we had discussed this is just the sheer numbers in this year's draft and the coming drafts um because of covid so you know they're kind of backlogged right now with the amount of talent and the depth in these drafts so that definitely didn't help their case uh but again 
hey, they have an opportunity, and that's all you can ask for. Well, plenty more Huskers will be joining the NFL field playing on Sundays. And uh, well, Adrian, you're an Eagles fan, aren't you? I am. I am. Yeah, so you must have been pretty. You know, I'd say it's a pretty good draft. One, you get Jordan Davis in the first round. Mm. Not, Buddy Camp goes the second round. Then the third round, you get Nicobe Dean, who just fell all the way down to third round, mostly because of uh, shoulder issues and him declining surgery and all that. But uh, you got to be pretty happy uh, as an Eagles fan coming out of that draft. Absolutely. And on top of that, the A.J. Brown trade. Oh, which, yep. I forgot so, about that. <laughs> exactly. You know, when, when they took Jordan Davis to 13, uh, I know a couple couple fans were scratching their heads, you know, like, uh, okay, what's the next move? Um, thinking that they needed a receiver. And there were no rumors about A.J. Brown being on the market in that way. And bam, made the trade, signed him to a $100 million extension. Uh, and I think the pieces are there all across the board for the Eagles. Uh, I'm pretty excited as a fan, you know. Well, if you're a Titans fan, you aren't happy. Uh, that was well, a little bit surprising to they say. Drafted, yeah, well, it's it's a philosophy is what it comes down to, right? Uh, and they didn't want to pay big money for a receiver, you know, and, and that's just the type of decisions you have to make as a general manager, where you want to allocate your money. Um, they're already – they're already paying uh, Derrick Henry good money, Ryan Tannehill good money. They just signed extensions for their edge rushers. You know, mm-hmm. it's not limitless. There is a cap. So I get it. Now, the, it's just what do you weigh? Because A.J. Brown, on his best day, could be a top 10 guy, I think you can argue. Mm-hmm. You know, and those guys don't grow on trees. On the other hand, the receiver market and the receiver room is kind of exploding right now. I mean, Jamari Chase, rookie year, comes in and is like, this guy could be a top five receiver. You know, so the ability to draft guys, bring them in on rookie contracts, uh, you know, the Titans have faith in, in their development and their their uh, scouting process, I guess, you know, because they drafted uh, the guy out of Arkansas. I can't remember his name. The Burks. Which, yeah. Ironically yeah. enough, his his comp I saw all over the place was A.J. Brown. So <laughs> traded A.J. Brown, drafted a guy comparable to him and hoping he can, you know, turn into that type of player. Yeah, I noticed the camera that was on Mike Vabrell as they traded away AJ Brown and drafted Burks. And he, he was, he did not look pleased to say, well, yeah, you know, and it's, it's a balancing act. You know, I think you could tell that. And there's power dynamics between general managers, owners, paying guys and the head coach who, who's coaching the team. So uh, I think we could tell who, who won that one out. Uh, But Hey, Titans are a hell of a team too. They're, they're close, and you know maybe this move will get them over the top. Time will tell. Most certainly. And one last thing about the NFL draft before we go to Jack Stoll. Georgia breaking records, the most picks by an individual school ever. Fifteen players wow. drafted. Fifteen of the sixty-five SEC players drafted uh, in this latest draft. It breaks the record more than that 2020 LSU team and the 20, mm. 2004 Ohio State team. So pretty good company. That is great company. And five defensive guys in the first round. Wow. Now that is nuts. You know, I think that speaks to the level of talent they have over there and also how good of a team they had, which honestly, in my own opinion, I didn't think they were on that level comparable to that LSU team oh, and, and oh. some of those other great Alabama teams. But, hey. The NFL draft tells no lies. So, yeah, 
Kirby Smart is going to be on the recruiting trail, preaching that all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Episode six, we're over halfway through this second season. And to start off the second half of season two, we got quite a guest with us today. You might know him. He played four years at Nebraska as a tight end, including uh, catching some from Adrian himself. And now he is making a living playing in the NFL over in Philly. He's on the East Coast. It's Jack Stoll. Jack, welcome to the show. Uh, how y'all doing around here? It's going good. Uh, I mean, how's it go for you? Off season there in Philly, just chilling out. Drafts this week. I mean, just how's it going? Boy, I mean, we're we're having a time out here. I mean, we're just uh, yeah. I mean, doing all our off season workouts, so we got a lot of lifts, meetings, stuff like that. Um, you know, they take care of you a little bit more than they do in college. I'll <laughs> tell you that. So listen, I'm just soaking it up, doing whatever I can, keeping the body right. Mm. Mm, yeah, you love to hear that. And yeah, right now we're uh, we're doing six a.m. lifts. You know how it goes. We're we're in the grind, so uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a little bit different. Oh yeah, my alarm isn't set till seven thirty, so don't worry about that. Yeah, must we're be nice. We have the time. Don't worry. Well, Jack, uh, before we uh, talk to the NFL a little bit, um, let's go back to your time in Nebraska. Let's reflect a couple stories here and there. I mean, uh, take us through first your recruiting journey and how you got to Nebraska because you were recruited by Mike Riley instead of Scott Frost. Yeah, so I was recruited by Mike Riley. I still remember Danny Langsdorf, the old OC, coming uh, coming into my high school, basically telling me that they were interested and you know, that led to me going to a spring game and getting an offer. And I mean, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it was ever really too close. It really kind of ended up coming down between Nebraska and Texas. And I mean, the way Nebraska used tight ends back then, I mean, what drew me ironically to Nebraska was the pro style system. They got two tight ends. And I mean, they were always, they were always involved in the run game, the pass game, whatever. I mean, they were versatile pro style tight ends. So that's what drew me there. Um, you know, I had Tavita Thompson. Shout out to Vita. He's still staying in touch with him. Um, he's the one that really drew me there, too. He was the tight ends coach at the time. Great dude. I mean, he he's the type of dude he'd go out of his way, make sure you're taken care of. Um, but I also just love the environment in Nebraska. I mean, I went to a spring game. How can you not love having 60,000, 70,000 people there for a scrimmage? I mean, when I went to Texas, is, I mean, there was still only 30,000, something like that. But I mean, it was, I mean, it was night and day. People cared about football at Nebraska. And I mean, what kid who's 16, 17 years old, who, uh, you know, that's the only thing you have to compare it to. I mean, I, you think that's one of the coolest things in the world nowadays. I mean, I guess people are getting paid with two comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit different, but it is hard to beat. No. And yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it was hard to beat the environment. Like I said, I, I couldn't be happier. I ended up in Nebraska and Hell, it landed me here where I'm sitting here in my apartment in Philly. So I got no complaints, man. Awesome. And I mean, you get there, you play, I mean, you play right away too. I mean, that must have been really cool as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I ended up getting, you know, one one of these knee surgeries where I I really wasn't even able to play too much in 2020. And there was stuff, some stuff going on behind the scenes to where I wasn't able to play as much as I thought I could have. But I ended up, you know, coming in, I mean, I had a chip on my shoulder, you know, decided to prove myself. And listen, I just started carving out a role as the dude who's going to be blocking, being gritty, making plays on special teams. And, you know, once you once you kind of find a niche in the NFL, that's what kind of keeps you there. And once you're there, you're able to expand on other things. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I've done is I've embraced the role of being the blocker 
And, hey, I said, hey, whatever they need on special teams. I mean, someone went down who was left wing on punt. I said, oh, I'll be out there, no problem. So, I mean, that's that's just how it went. And so, um, I mean, it just comes down to, listen, if you, if you got a will, will to go do it, I mean, just go out there, be gritty, and find a way. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've always been that guy, though. I mean, even at Nebraska, you were that guy who – would do anything, you know, for the squad, for the boys. So, Jack, I'm going to go back there to 2018. Actually, we'll wait for Adrian to do that. But 2018, uh, obviously, Mike Riley let go. Scott Frost comes in. Uh, what was the decision process behind you staying at Nebraska? Because was that ever an option of you leaving because of the coaching change? You know, leaving never entered my mind then at all. It was more I just kind of figured – yeah, we got a new coaching staff. We'll find a way to make things work. And, you know, kind of the way everything had kind of unfolded, that was kind of my time to staunch, shine and step up. You know, when I first got there, I, I came in with a wrist injury my retro year in 2016, broken wrist. And we had three seniors, Season Carter, Trey Foster, and um, Sam Cotton. And so I knew I, knew I wasn't going to step in and play. And then the next year it was, you know, Connor Ketter, Matt Snyder, and Tyler Hoppus, and those those were the guys who were playing. Snide. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, you have him on here. Hey, he'll tell you yeah. stories. But uh, <laughs> so I so I ended up basically just cycling through, and I, I kind of realized that was my opportunity. So regardless, you know, if the staff wants me to be on the perimeter blocking for some screens, which they did, I was going to find a way. And, I mean, it was just a great opportunity. And, you know, I at transferring at that point never even crossed my mind. And how was it playing with Seathan Carter? Obviously, he's a playing in the NFL, I still believe, and um, and everything like that. I mean, learning from him, uh, how was that? Oh, Seathan's Seathan's one of the best dudes. I mean, he was someone who, I mean, he always made sure I was straight my entire you know freshman year, where everyone else, you know, I was kind of brushed aside as a dude with a wrist injury who's using up a scally. So you know, hey, you kind of get punched punched in the corner a little bit every now and then, but. No, he uh, he was always great, like always making sure I was straight. And, I mean, he's he's giving me advice here and there all all the time. And, you know, he's great. He's one of those guys who I was surprised when he wasn't drafted. I thought he did everything and he deserved to be drafted. I think it ended up being one of those deals. I It might have been an injury or something. But in in my opinion, I mean, he, he was someone everyone looked up to and he had the ability to be drafted. So, um, listen, I couldn't be happier for him. I know he was with Miami. I'm not sure if he still is. Um, but listen, he's he's an unbelievable dude and someone that you know I'm always appreciative of. And with that year, obviously 2018. Now uh, I will get into some fun stuff. First meeting, it's the first time you met Adrian. What's that story? Uh, I think I think no. You got to let me tell the story. You got to let me tell the story. No, no, this is a great one. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So training table. Um, and when I was an early enrollee and the football team is a big unit, a tight unit, there's like 120 guys. And Jack was at like the center of it, you know, like everyone knew Jack and I roll up, you sit next to everyone at the high table and I sit down and, um, you know, I'm just kind of trying to keep my weight. You know what I mean? Like not, not really do too much. I just gotten there keep maybe a little conversation and Jack asked me, he's like, Hey, like, what's my name? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, and he's like six pack Jack. No like, clue. don't forget it. Like, and ne I 
first guy's name that like I absolutely would not forget. Six pack Jack. Never forget. <laughs> I don't think I ever called him that because he didn't have a six pack. But if he did, I'd call him six pack Jack. So here's where the lie comes in. Ask, ask Adrian over there. Go ahead, ask him this quick old question about the body fat bet we had right before COVID. Go ahead, ask him that. What what, what, what was the body fat percentage ahead, there before ahead, COVID? Go ahead, tell him, Adrian. Wait, the body fat percentage bet? Yes, you remember that. I don't. Wasn't it post surgery? Wasn't it our post surgery? We're both post surgery at this point. Don't no. even. Act, we we got a picture of us in the hospital together. Don't act like we're both. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, I can't remember the specifics of that deal. I do. I'll tell it anyway. So this man over here, he's over. He's over here like, oh, you ain't. You're fat. Like you ain't got nothing. I said, Adrian, I promise you, when body fat comes around, I'm gonna be nicer than you. I will have a better body fat percentage. And it, so we came up with our bets. I said, if I win, you got to call me daddy all spring ball. <laughs> and I don't remember what he said. I wasn't worried about his side because I knew I was going to win. Yeah. And so we go in. I get to the machine. I'm set. I'm, I don't remember what it was. We'll, we'll make us sound great. I was 11. And then Adrian rolls in at 11.7. And, oh, he had to call me daddy all spring ball. But it was it was the worst because COVID just came too. Yeah, it was COVID spring ball. So he he didn't get to jackpot like cash in on that bet. He made me do it maybe like a couple times, but I'd say I won the bet too. It was kind of rigged because I think I had a better change like from the last time we did a Dexa to the to when we did the like when we actually did the Dexa the next time. Which if everyone listening, a Dexa is like body fat percentage test. It's this big machine that calculates you know, all these numbers, whatever. I had a better ratio. Jack happened to beat me in the final, you know, test, but you know, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, you can look at the numbers all you want. I took the dub long story short, <laughs> beat him. So long story short, that nickname did fit. No doubt. That's all we're that's all we're getting at here. Hey, and yeah. let me tell you what, Adrian, the first day he rolls up, he shows up in this worn ass T-shirt with these janky jeans that are just so worn. And I remember Divine just looks at me. He goes, "Oh, so he's going with the nerdy style." I see, and that was <laughs> nerdy swag. He said, "Nerdy swag." Nerdy swag. He did say, nerdy swag. <laughs> and that was at a that was at a party. That wasn't even in, that wasn't like oh. at that was not in the training table. There's no way. I was walking from the training table with Divine, and he said, you got some nerdy swag. Trust me, that's how you were rocking that entire first year you were here. No, no. First, like, semester. First semester. I don't, I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find a way to get that picture of us in the hospital beds. Uh, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't share it. But it was a great time because we both happened to get labrum surgery, and – Somehow we ended up on the same floor. I think either you or I got the surgery first. I don't know. You, and yeah, they treated him like royalty. How was your shove? And so he, we, we stay up like all night. Like, what, what were we fucking watching? Like, the prices, prices right? Some stupid like show. All night just grinding. Like, got rooms right next to each other. Just bullying. Had these damn IV bags hanging right by us. Had to stay overnight. Oh, get wheelchaired out in the morning. That sickness. Well, so brutal. I'll tell you what. I barely knew my name. They're throwing Percocets down my throat every two hours. <laughs> Chill. I, 
I'm just sitting there floating, like watching the price. Right? We're thinking it's the craziest thing in the world. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good time. We had a good time. But no, no question. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think you set the record for labor and surgery. So I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. I got, no, there's a guy at Kansas State here that is getting his fourth. He got his fourth. See, I got a theory now. I don't think you need him anymore. I really don't think you need him anymore. I think if I could have just done a bunch of other shit for it, I would have been fine. But that's, that's a whole other side story. Yeah. I'm no, I'm no doctor. I think like throwing arm for me, I needed to get done. But like the off shoulder, or if you're not a quarterback, I think you're right. I think you can rehab it back and just be like, screw it. Like if I need to get it fixed later, I can. But to get it fixed while playing, it's probably just going to get fucked up again. No question. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll turn the tables here. Adrian, how's it feel transferring over there? Yeah, it feels good. You know, it's it's been a lot of fun. Just different, you know, like getting to know getting to know all the guys and, you know, form relationships with them and obviously learning a whole new offense. Like, it's I'd say it's a lot more similar to an NFL-type scheme, um, just in the verbiage and in, like, the actual scheme that we run. So – it's been a good adjustment. I've, I've been grinding and I'm pumped, you know, to show people what I got, you know, one last year. Hmm. So why do we leave Nebraska? We'll get, we'll get to the press. Oh class. my gosh. Let's, let's ride, dude. Dude, I already addressed <laughs> this. I already addressed <laughs> it. <laughs> I already addressed this. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I had a lot of reasons and one of them was just, I needed a fresh start. You know, I think both sides needed a fresh start, but I, I really wanted to go see what I could do somewhere else um, and felt like it was a good challenge for me and, you know, would bring the best out of me. And it definitely has. You know, I feel great right now. Um, I feel like I'm at my smartest and physical best. So, you know, there are other things as well that I feel like, you know, that I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to say, but it is what it is, and uh, I feel really good about where I'm at. Hey, I love it. This man should be a politician. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Those bullshit questions all day. <laughs> well, if you uh, if uh, anyone wants to go and listen back to that episode, it is episode one of season two. I'll give a little – I'll plug it in. Uh, guys, right there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, Jack, I think uh, one of the more pressing questions at your time in Nebraska, I have to ask, is the story behind the mullet and just the legend of the Jack Stoll mullet? Yeah, mean, why give, don't us, you turn, give us a breakdown. Turn your head real quick so I can see what you've become. What uh, you've become. Look how far I, he's fallen. Hey, that's a clean cut. Um, hey, she's coming back now, Chief. Let's yeah. back up. Number two, the story of the mullet, how it originated. Me and Reed Carroll were in, were in some marketing class. And it was the first spring ball Scott Frost was here. And we're just exhausted. I mean, we're throwing monsters down just to half pay attention all day. And then we just come up with this idea. We just look at each other. And the old tight ends coach always threw it. He's like, you got some hair for a mullet. And I was like, hey, I don't know. I don't know. And one day, probably three or four monsters deep, we're just trying to stay awake in class. Of course, we're not paying attention. We decide, you know, let's grow a mullet. Let's just see what happens. So then next thing you know, me and Reed Carroll started growing a mullet. Mine naturally looked much better than his. He looks Yeah. Reed's was very it was a little it was gross, you know, no disrespect. Shout out Reed, but my man, out, he didn't have any like fluff to it. There's no volume is I guess is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I just love talking shit behind his back. Fun hobby. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. But no, so he 
he just had to – we just started. And then next thing you know, it was like two or three other guys started hopping on the train. And then next thing you know, it just kept climbing. To now, I don't even know how many dudes have it. But it's a decent amount. And me and Reed Carroll started that. And Reed will tell you some bullshit story about how it was his idea. And he will die on a mountaintop with that. But I promise you, we were in that same marketing. It was marketing like three or whatever, intro to marketing. And we came up with that and we just wrote, we just rolled with it. Mm. Mm. So and the rest is history. Started shaving some weird things in there. Just said, let's run. Yeah. What about the deal? You had a bet though, or it was something like we went the, our first loss. You had to shave it. And that was devastating. That oh, was devastating. so what happened was, so <laughs> me and Reed said, we're going to grow it out until we lost our first game. We lost our first game very early. <laughs> and he said, we do not want to do it. So then we carried it over to the next year. And then we lost. We won the first game or two. And then we lost to CU. Yeah. And I remember we were on the plane ride back. And, like, I was just depressed the whole time. Not only lost, I got to shave this. I got to shave everything. So I was like, oh, shit. So then we get in my backyard. No place is open on Sunday. So I just got Bo Wilson. Shout out, Bo. Just shaving my head with his janky ass razor. He's been <laughs> yeah. how long? And yeah. then I had Cam Jurgens shave the back of my head. He said he mistake. Mistake. I promise you, I've never seen a worse hairline in my life. <laughs> it makes LeBron James. Hairline. Yo, I think I have That's that picture. I still have that picture. It's like it's like up here. Well, it I knew it was, up. I knew it was bad when everyone's there. <laughs> I'm sitting outside in the backyard. And I hear everyone cracking up. They're pissing themselves because they're laughing so hard back there. I said, there's no way this could be good. But all I have is Cam in my ear going, don't worry, dude. It looks good. And it was the worst haircut I've ever seen in my life. Did you ever see the haircut Cam gave uh, Brody? Dude, listen, Cam should be banned from ever touching. <laughs> he has had so many terrible haircuts. It's absurd. Ah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so long story short, that was the story behind the mullet. And then I grew it a second time a little bit. And the rule was we had about five dudes do it. And this was right before COVID. And we were going to have the first person to cut their hair, shave the mullet off, was going to have to do a five minute stage of stand up somewhere in Lincoln. And it never ended up happening because of COVID. COVID ruined a lot. A lot of my bets were ruined because of COVID. Yeah. COVID was a was an interesting time, time to be alive, I guess. You know, but I, I was actually talking about this with someone. I was like, COVID was kind of it was kind of a great time, depending where you're you were at in your life. That's a hot take, and I'm taking that. Let me back up the politician in me. Look, I don't mean like you know the disease and like all the other effects. I just met in college at that time. All we did was work out, hang out with the bros, and nothing else for months you know and that was kind of a good time now all the other effects not cool playing in front of empty stadiums vaccination people dying being the most important thing you know that was not cool but i'd say we had a pretty good time during that stretch well it's okay it's it's a fine take now because covid's fake i guess so um (laughs) but yeah no we had a time like we all ended up coming back to lincoln and it was just us that summer yeah, I remember there were some absurd things that happened that I'm not, not sure. We're not going into detail on this podcast. Yeah. 
I don't yeah. care if it's unfiltered or not. That's it. <laughs> I don't care where I am. Some of them stories ain't coming out. But they, it was a great, it was just a great time because all the boys were there. You were chilling, and then it turned into you just hanging out with your boys all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was a great time. So, yeah, I have no, I have zero complaints. I loved it. Maybe COVID was a good thing. Who knows? But it was. Uh, Trust me, we made some memories. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, and that was yeah, and COVID was your senior year too, Jack. So I mean, I get, yeah, you had a fun time. That must have been a fun time senior year then. Oh, absolutely. Well, well what were you gonna say? You go first. I was gonna say you you got hurt in the first game, and I know that it, it's worked out for you now. But I'm sure in the moment you were very you know pissed off. You know, how did you deal with that? I know we've gone through more than a couple rehab sessions together with old Mark, you know, Marky Mark, um, grinded BFR and everything else. Uh, you know, how did you bounce back from that and kind of keep your dreams alive, dude? You know, cause you look where you're at now. You're in Philly. You made a team. You're doing what you, uh, what you wanted to do. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, yeah, it was game one against Ohio state. And I remember still catching that ball 10 yards over the middle. I turned and I ended up just getting my knee taken out. And uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I was on that plane ride. Like I was, I was in pretty deep. Like I mean, mm. my, my whole plan was, Hey, go, go to the league, the, go to the league at the end of this season and everything will work out. And uh, it, uh, yeah, it ended up kind of, I kind of thought I was almost going to have to stay a whole nother year. And mm. Listen, I, I ended up getting an MRI the next day, and I was lucky because I didn't blow out my knee like I thought I did. It ended up being some damage with the MC. It was the MCL and the meniscus, but there was no structural damage. Like the only thing that happened was whatever connects them that ripped apart. So all they had to do was basically put a suture in there, and everything was mm. fine. So I found out it was two, three weeks, and I said, "Oh, let's ride. We'll be fine." Tried playing out the rest of the season, and there were some politics going on behind the scenes on that one, which. Like I said, that's another thing we ain't going into details about now. But uh, long long story short, I mean, I realized that it was still an op- opportunity to go out there, go kill it. And so, listen, was it the senior year I wanted? No. But listen, not everything's not everything's a fairy tale. And that's that's the first thing everything everyone's got to realize. Not everything's a fairy tale in life. You you serve some shit. It's how you how you end up dealing with it. Yeah. And so, I mean, listen, I knew I was probably going to end up being late round undrafted, and you know, I just tried to make the most of it. So, I mean, that's the thing is when you get to the NFL, I mean, between all the bullshit, everything gets sorted out. I mean, you could have a fourth round. I've seen fourth round picks get cut. Yeah. Um, and things like that. So it's kind of like it doesn't matter where you're at. If you can play, you can play. So I still bet all the chips on myself because I knew I knew I had I had it. And so, hey, I just made the most of it. And here we are. And I couldn't be happier. I did. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Absolutely. While we're still on college, um, what was your favorite win from your college career? Mm. Favorite win? That I think it would be 2018 Michigan State. Dude, um, yeah. That I think I think it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to beat that one. I mean, in the snow, it was a gritty game. What was it? it? Was nine to six or something like that? Yeah, nine to six. <laughs> something like six, six and nine, but you know that's that's another story. <laughs> uh, but it was it was crazy. So I mean, terrible weather. I mean, we're just ground and pounding it, and then it was 
Barrett, who ends up drilling three field goals in Bless Barrett's heart. Bless yeah, R.I.P. But um no, so he he just he killed it. He won that game for us. Yeah. And, uh I mean it, people people kind of forget that. And it was one of the coolest games. I mean, we beat a ranked opponent at home. Um and I mean, I just don't think he gets better than that. And I mean, the way everyone came together afterwards and had a great time, like it's it's just one of the best memories, hands down. Yeah. And I mean, that game was fun. Um, and something interesting, I think I asked Adrian this too early in the season, but how about that 2020 Rutgers game in New Jersey? I know uh, that must have been weird. I'm just curious about your perspective of that, Jack. Uh, yeah, listen, my perspective is going to be a lot different than a lot of other people's. I mean, I was still personally kind of fuming about a few things that was happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I was happy. I was happy we won. I thought, I thought it was a great, great win. And, you know, I thought it was a great way to cap off our, our college career. And, um, you know, I, that's how I thought it would end. And, you know, like I said, that's that's another thing that one day I'm sure everything will get revealed. Everything that ended up happening, but yeah, I I was uh, it was a good win. But like I said, personally, like my mental headspace, I probably wasn't my favorite up there. Hmm. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, there's a lot more to that that story, and also everything that went down in New Jersey as well, <laughs> and and after the fact. I mean, um, I. No words. There's no words. And, you know, that's a tease. Sorry, Jeff, and sorry, audience, but <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, just how it had to be. Another thing, another great question I like to ask, who are the best players you had the opportunity to play against in college? And then we can go to the NFL. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. This is a funny question because this is something every scout always asks is who the best player is. Mm. And it was, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, Chase Young. Um I, I think he he was a freak, and yeah. he always has been. I ended up playing him. It was twenty. I remember twenty nineteen where we played him in the shoe. I got a sick little clip of me taking him one on one. I said, oh, "What's up?" Dude? But uh, no, I think Chase Young. Who else did we play? I, I think Chase Young is really the one that really sticks out. Dude, um, I think Devin Bush. Devin Bush was unreal. When we played Devin, him, Devin Bush, I remember Devin, but Devin Bush was absurd. I remember we yeah. had a play where I was, I started on the opposite side of the ball and I basically insert for backside backer, which was Devin Bush. And most of the time, like the linebacker bites on the run fake and then the screens right out there. I insert in between the guard and the tackle to go get Devin Bush. And this man was already making the play. I couldn't even get two hands on him. Like he is one of the freakiest linebackers of all time. Um, I played Micah Parsons when he was a freshman too, which I, I thought he was good, but obviously, I mean, he is nothing. He, he was nothing like the freak he is today. Hmm. Um, his freshman year. But I mean, he was, he was still great for a freshman. Um, but I mean, that's the cool thing about playing in the big 10 is he played big names like that, who, you know, they'll be wearing that. They could be, I, let me back up there. They have the potential to be wearing a gold jacket in Canton hmm. when everything's said and done. So that's the cool thing about playing somewhere like the Big Ten or, you know, even somewhere like K-State in the Big 12. You And playing really in any Power 5 schools, you get the opportunity to go play guys like that. And, I mean, I think that's something where, you know, if anyone should cherish the opportunity, they get to play there. 
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you have any more questions about college, Jeff? Otherwise I was going to jump right into the, some of the, maybe the draft process. So the draft is tonight. Um, I guess that's kind of ruining when we did this, but draft is coming up and what was doing the pro day talking to scouts, you know, what are some funny stories from that experience and, and kind of your training leading up to the draft? Boy. Well, it was weird. It was a weird year because it was COVID. Mm. So I ended up getting invited. So there's for everyone that doesn't know. So it's a weird process. As soon as basically college ball is done, you go to a bowl game, which we didn't, but you know, <laughs> you got a bowl games and the yeah. season, whatever it is from that point, until the draft, there's a lot that goes into it. Number one is you end up signing with an agent where you got a lot of people vouching for you saying like, oh, we want this kid. We don't want this kid. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So first you got to pick an agent, which you're not allowed to technically talk to. Or I think you can talk to an agent. You can't make any verbal commitments. You can't, you know, that whole deal. Yeah. So you pick an agent and then you basically – go train somewhere where a lot of people pick Florida, um, Texas, Nashville, California. So you pick somewhere to train and then you get invited to a bunch of these different games where there's tiers to it. Like everyone hears about the Reese's senior bowl on the top here. Then you have East West shrine bowl, NFLPA right there. And then there are the bottom tiers. So I got invited to the NFLPA and I eventually got an East West shrine bowl, but those were all virtual. And the only other game going on was the senior bowl. So I went and played in the one of the worst bowl games you can play. <laughs> and I'm talking, I didn't have any food. I, there was <laughs> high school coaches coaching us. Well, at one point, we had a semi-pro player playing because the other guy just didn't want to play. So, And the one meal they gave us. <laughs> so this is great. So you go out, you practice all day. And they like they don't feed you, so it's like I'm I'm using Uber Eats. I'm losing like five, ten pounds here. Yeah. One night they do is when you can talk to scouts. So the whole reason you go to something like this is because you can talk to NFL scouts. And back then, that was the only way you could get in touch with scouts. Really, for free. Yeah. Yeah. No one even no one even really did the combine. And so the one night, the only meal they gave us was on the night we talked to these scouts. And you're talking to scouts for a couple hours. And you go over there, you grab a meal, you're like, thank, thank goodness, like it's finally some food. It is literally spaghetti with chopped up hot dog, and that was it. That's fire. <laughs> so I'm over, I'm over there, like just eat. I'm eating whatever I can, like just. And it wasn't good. It was sitting out for like four hours. <laughs> so then it was ultimate like, grinder meal right there. So you're just you're just out there. You're eating that. You're playing in a terrible bowl game. And it was a wild experience. So my experience would be a little different than Brendan Hymas, who had a nice little senior boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, listen, at the end of the day, like, it helped me get drafted. Like, it got, it got me exposure and stuff like that. So my experience was much different. But then from there, obviously, you have Pro Day. You have the Combine if you get that invite. And they didn't have it that year. We were coming out anyway. And. Yeah, then the draft. So trust me, all these guys you're seeing have gone through a long journey ever since that they last strapped it up and played college ball to the draft. So I mean, pe- people just got to realize it's it, it's a whole nother, it's a different grind, and it turns in from more of a physical grind to college to a lot more mental. Mm-hmm. And 
really that's that's the difference between college and pro is a lot of it is mental. I've seen I've seen dudes who are crazy athletes get cut because they can't figure it out with their mental. And there's a lot more mental stress because it's if you're not doing your thing, they'll just cut you. So yeah, it's, it's a business. Yeah, it, it's it's a business, and um, you know, luckily I'm in one of the, I, in my opinion, a, in, with a great organization with the Eagles where they understand it's a business, but they still make sure everyone's you know. You know, one of our core values we always talk about is connecting. So we're always making sure we're hanging with the boys. You always make sure, like, even our coach has done a great job of managing that, where they'll keep it real with you. But at the same time, it's kind of like they understand it's a business, but they're going to have fun. And yeah. so, listen, I, I think that they they got to figure it out. A lot of guys been in the NFL a long time here in Philly. So, listen, I couldn't be I couldn't I couldn't be happier to be here in Philly. And yeah, to not take another year of college ball toll on my body. <laughs> you know what's crazy is I've heard that a lot. Is that college is tougher on your body than the NFL? Which I mean, obviously there's age and everything else you factor in, but just from a weightlifting standpoint and the kind of grind of conditioning and year round, you know, whatever it is. Oh, one hundred percent. Now, and and that's where I think people get it twisted a little bit, thinking the pros is easier in college. It's not. Well, physically, maybe lifting, period. That's it. <laughs> lifting, yes. You don't have people loading up nine plates on each side telling you to stand there, which it's like, listen, I, 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 think that there, I think that there is. I think that there is a need for stuff like that in college. And people people can sit here and rat, rat on like, oh, that's terrible for this or that. It builds character. Like it, at the end of the day, like you, you got a bunch of 18-year-olds that need to toughen, toughen up at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's necessary. You could sit here and say like, oh, yeah, like the train, the training is so much better. Like they shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. They have 130 kids that they got to take care of with five people. And then at the same time, you got a bunch of 18 year olds who think they're the shit that need to get slapped with a little reality check. So it's like I think that the, like as much as I sit here and say like, yeah, the workouts are a lot physically more demanding in college. It's needed. You need it because you got to yeah. humble these kids up. And I mean, these 18, 19 year olds, I'm not going to name any names who be, who are out there already talking shit to the people who are in the position group. Like, that's just absurd. Like, yeah, they need, they need, a, they need a slice of humble pie. And it's like that. I, I know I'm going off on a little tangent here, but trust me, hey. it, gets, it gets you riled up. And I'm with you, though. You're, yeah. you're right. When you said that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And and it is part of the process. And discipline's a big piece of it i mean the nfl that's kind of assumed you know that you have discipline and if you don't i'm sure you get cut (laughs) yeah and at the end of the day yeah that's how that's how it is and if you're not working doing everything you're supposed to yeah you get cut because someone else is in college Mm. everyone keeps a scholarship so it's kind of like you have no choice but to force them to be disciplined so it's it's a very interesting dynamic and the more i'm removed from college the more i realize that and the more you kind of just sit back and think, yeah, they uh, they got a tough job taken care of. Like I said, we ain't naming any names, but there are some head cases that were was at Nebraska when we were there. Yeah, <laughs> you start you start learning why they do what they do. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I mean, Jack, take us through. Did anyone else reach out aside from the Eagles when he went undrafted? What was that process like of deciding a team? Yeah, so I'll. T- <laughs> I'll tell you this. There, there was numerous people uh, who ended up reaching out. I was lucky enough to be able to have a couple options. And uh, 
I mean, I, I ended up just having a plan with my agent where we were we were just going to go with Philly, unless obviously I ended up getting drafted. But um, you know, I mean, we we had a bunch of teams reach out, but really the ones we were looking at, it was it really came down to Philly, Cincinnati, um, and I believe there was a couple other teams in there, like the Rams were interested. Denver was interested, but our rule was anyone that drafted a tight end, we're scratching. Um, because at the end of the day, people always tell you going undrafted is better than the seventh or sixth round pick. Yeah, that's bullshit. Because here's the, here's the thing that they don't realize. Yes, you get to pick where you're going, but wherever you go, they invested something in you. And when they invest something in you, hmm. you're more likely to stay on the team. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's like we, like we say, it's a business. If you if you go invest a million dollars into something and you have you bring in something else that you spend nothing for, virtually nothing, even though the other one, uh, even though the thing that, you know, you spend nothing on could end up, you know, maybe even outperforming the thing you spend a million dollars on. You're going to keep investing in the thing that's a million dollars because you don't want to lose all that money. So that's what that's the thing that people just I think neglect to realize is that those six, seventh round picks, they're still viewed at as an investment and they're going to be given more chances than dudes that who are undrafted. I mean, and, and your margin for error when you're undrafted is very minimal relative to other people. So, um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. And so, yeah, I did have a couple of options, but you know, Philly was in my opinion, the best, the best place for me. And like I said, I, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I, I got a smile on my face every time I go to Lincoln. Every time I go into the facility, I know some of these other places, they kind of they are like, oh, yeah, it's a grind. It's this. I mean, we grind, but we have a great time in there, too. So they got a, a great culture in Philly, and it's one of these things. Like I said, I would, I would love to be here as long as I can. Now, we've heard a couple of stories already in the paper, Stanley Morgan, about some rookie camp uh, shenanigans, uh, I, I should, I'll put it, uh, where they've had to sing and done all, and done all that. Uh, did you have to do any of that uh, being a rookie? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you get snatched for the entire room. That's one. Um, so that, that's the biggest thing is just getting snatched. The other thing I, I did have to sing, and uh, – you know, they got got some claps. No bit, no biggie. Um, let's stay together. Al Green killed it. Um, nice. Not so. Knock that bad boy out. Um, and then, yeah, the infamous the infamous rookie dinner. Yeah, that was a little bit of a deal. So, <laughs> the end of the year, uh, they always take you out, and basically, you're going to a nice steak joint, and we're talking some stupid numbers. You start, you start seeing everyone's looking at the bottom of the wine list where hey, the really nice ones are, you know, where they're not even printing the printing the price. You say, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's relax. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I, let me say this: like, I, I just going and attesting to how great of a room we have. The lead, like the the guy, the main guy in our room is a guy named Dallas Goddard, who unbelievable dude. And I mean, he, he let me squirm a little bit. Like I was about to pay the check and he said, I'm not letting you pay that. And I said, I, I was like, Hey, come on now. Like I get it. And he, he took care of me and he, he just said, yeah, he took my card through it. He said, yeah, you're not, you're not paying for this. And then he took care of it. So it's like my rookie year was very easy. I mean, I decorated a little bit, did that. And like, when you have people like that in the room, it makes life a lot better. It may, it makes your rookie experience a lot easier. 
especially when it when everyone has a good time with each other. So I trust me, it was smooth for me. But yeah, trust me, I've heard some horror stories. What, what are some of those horror stories? Oh, I'm talking. I know I won't say what team, what position group, but I've heard of bills going thirty, forty thousand dollars for a single dinner. I've heard of, uh, you know, they got to go put on a performance halfway through camp. They got to tell a joke every every single day in front. That would of be them. devastating. Yeah. <laughs> so trust me, I like I said, they they still make you sing. They make you decorate the room for holidays. They make you do the dinner, um, but it's relatively pretty easy relative to some other places. So like I said, I'm happy I'm not dropping 20, 30 G's at some single dinner that people have. So like I said, couldn't be happier with it. Jack, are there some, there's some things you feel like we haven't covered so far. <sighs> Gosh, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at stuff like this. I normally just go on tangents and see what we can, we can. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm going to Cam's uh, draft party tomorrow and I'll beat rice. Oh, you're going? Yeah, hell yeah, I'm um, going. That's right. I just called him, dude. He's having a day. Like, I, I, I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, I, mean, I know he's in Vegas, or he was. Yeah, so he, he was in Vegas. I remember he told me he was doing all the pre-draft stuff, and then he was coming back to good old uh, good old Nebraska to celebrate with his family. So he's, he's having a day. I couldn't be happier for him. He, yeah, he deserves everything he's been getting because he has – He's been through the ringer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Good old Cam. Now, the question I do have, though, since you are in Philly, Philly is infamous for the fan behavior and their craziness for football. How, from your personal experience, how true is that? (laughs) Everything you hear is true and more. And I love it like that. They go crazy. And it's it's awesome. Like they, it's one of the few NFL franchises where the fans are just as crazy as college. They're crazier than I would say ninety nine percent of college college fans bases. And that's that's how it is. Like that's what they have in Philly. And I mean, they take pride in their Eagles. And that's 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 a dope thing. Like when you have a whole city behind you. Now, I mean, listen, it comes with it comes with its downsides. But I mean, what doesn't like? Trust me, there's some stories that people walk in at Walmart. Trust me, they'll get chirped if they dropped a ball last week. But, <laughs> but it's one of those deals where it's like it's it's awesome. Like having a fan base that's passionate, I think that's so much cooler than you know some of these other you know NFL franchises where you know they uh, they they kind of struggle to fill the stands. And um, I get it; it's a business decision, and especially you know all these all these uh, teams that start moving you know from one place to another it becomes a little bit harder for them to get a solid fan base and to fill out the stadium. So, I mean, Philly's been a staple of the NFL, and it's awesome, and I couldn't be happier here. Did, have you ever gotten chirped at uh, anyone see you and say, hey, uh, you got to catch that ball next time? Anything like that? Well, luckily, when you're the split zone guy who's the gritty blocker, you don't get chirped at. <laughs> so, listen, I'm, do- I'm doing all right. Um but no, I mean, I, I, I personally haven't experienced much of that, but I've heard a lot of stories about it. Mm. So trust me, it's, it's out there. And they are a passionate fan base that I love. And I love how edgy they are, too, because trust me. I mean, they, they're tough on their own, 
But when other teams come in, yeah, they will let you know. And that's that's awesome. Like, I love playing in environments like that where everyone's just as juiced. They're juiced just to come into the stadium. And at the end of the day, without them, like, we're not running an organization here. Um, and, I mean, Jack, we've, we've talked about how tough the NFL can be. Uh, I mean, how was there a comparison between NFL and college that – you can think of or just how to describe how tough it is uh, in the NFL. It's, it's definitely different. I think in college, one of the biggest things you notice is you can get away with a lot more just good athletes and physicality versus the NFL. It's a little bit harder to get away with that. Um, everyone's a great athlete in the NFL, but when you have a couple great athletes on a college team, I mean, they could, they can take over a game. And once you get to the NFL, everyone's one of those great athletes. Everyone's one of those guys who was very successful in college. So then what becomes the separator is their mental edge. Now, it's true. You're going to have about 5 to 10% of the league who are just freaks in one way, shape, or form. Um, like we have, a, we have a tackle, Jordan Mulata, who he was playing rugby at 400 pounds. And he, he got drafted in the seventh round without – ever playing football a day in his life because of his potential. And now he's, I mean, he's our starting left tackle. So trust me, there are always anomalies. And even he, he's a very smart football player now from when he got there where he could, couldn't get in a stance at day one to now where he's that dude. Mm. So, um, but that just shows like the hard work he's been putting in and how mentally he, he just locks into the playbook. And uh, I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, that's what happens is if you can mentally take care of everything and if you can mentally, you know, become one of the top competitors, you're going to make it. And uh, I mean, granted, you have to have a certain level of physical assets for that to happen and to even get to this level. But once you kind of check that box, it becomes a lot more up here than it is everything physically. So um, that's the biggest thing I would notice. And also schematically, it's a little obviously more complicated in the NFL than it is in college. I mean, you're only granted a certain number of hours every single week in college, and it's a lot more in the NFL. So, I mean, that's just kind of a given. But, um, I mean, yeah, you don't really see too many just spread teams. I don't think there's a – yeah, there's no team that just doesn't ever huddle up and do anything like that. Um, so I think the complexity of the game is really the biggest thing, I would say. Hmm. Who are some of your toughest matchups, you know, personnel-wise in the league? Personnel-wise, you know, it's it's been a mix. Like there's been times where gosh, we're playing we're playing the Chargers and I we end up getting some things checked to where I'm blocking Bosa one-on-one. Um I mean, he he's always been good. I mean, here's the thing, everyone's good in the NFL. Yeah, and that and that's the thing that, like in college, like when we're when we're going playing, uh, I'm not gonna disrespect anyone, anything. <laughs> you play, when you play some of these teams, like you go look at the D end, and it's like, yeah, I can get away with just coming off the ball. I don't even have to watch tape on this on this guy. Yeah. Versus in the NFL, everyone's a dog, and they're all paid to get sacks. So trust me, they're gonna find a way to try to get back there. So, I mean, it, it, every single week, like, people just got to lock in. And, yeah, are there some dudes who are absolute freaks? 
without a doubt. And you have to pay special attention, do use a lot more chips, thumps mm. um, before we get into routes. Absolutely. But everyone's good. And that's the thing that is, is the toughest thing when you're transitioning is realizing it doesn't matter who you're playing. You better lock it in now. Yeah, awesome stories here from Jack Soul on Athens Unfiltered. Adrian, anything before we go away with Jack here? No, you know, I, I just appreciate your time, Jack. You know that. You're one of my all-favorite, all-time favorite teammates, one of my best friends. You know, you are that dude. Couldn't be more excited for you. And uh, fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Uh, it's all love right back to you. And let me tell you what, you better watch out for that dude at Kate. That dude at K-State, let me tell you what. <laughs> Hey, he's yeah, going yeah. to come out swinging now. So let, let him know. I'm, I'm pumped to see what's up. You, Cade, Will, running it down there. <laughs> uh, let me know if you want to make a trip to Manhattan, all right? The Little Apple. It's a good time. Oh, trust me. Hey, when we get our, when we get our uh, schedule, trust me, I might, I might be coming down now. Let's go. Let's go. Maybe make a little West Virginia game or something, something like that. Oh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's ride, baby. Well, hey, like I said, appreciate y'all having uh, having me on the show. And like I said, I think it's dope that people are just taking over podcasts like this. And to be honest, it's a lot cooler talking to you guys than it is, you know, no disrespect to the people, to the media people in Nebraska. But I don't want to sit there and say the same bullshit week in, week out with them. So <laughs> I, I, I think it's dope that people are taking over podcasts. You get to know people a little more. So listen, I think I think it's awesome. And I think y'all are just at the beginning, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, much love. Y'all take it easy now. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zach. You are absolutely fantastic. Uh, and that's going to wrap things up on this edition of Athletes on Thrillzer featuring Jack Stoll. Make sure to go follow Jack on Twitter, at StollJack. Uh, but also give us a follow, too, at ATH Unfiltered on both Twitter and Instagram, as well as Adrian, at Martinez the QB, and myself, at X on underscore sports. And if you haven't caught up on all the Athletes Unfiltered of Season 2, make sure to go check those out on anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, but remember, this isn't just another press conference. This is Athletes Unfiltered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. A Huda Media Production.